I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Are you a lifelong fan of General Hospital? Are you a new fan who wants to know more about the history of the show? Do you enjoy talking about the show with others? Do you find yourself yelling at the TV? Is your self-care an hour a day in Port Charles? If so, we invite you to join hosts Amanda Kimmel and Shannon Coach at the place where all the hidden conversations take place and secrets are revealed. Meet us at Pier 54, a General Hospital fan podcast. Hello, welcome to the Poor Charles 411. Today we are revisiting our chat with Kathleen Gotti. This conversation is from April of 2022. It was done, I believe, just a week or two after Amanda and I attended the General Hospital Fan Fantasy event in Pittsburgh. Oh, she was just so generous and delightful and one of the best. We say it all the time. Every single person that we talk to is amazing in their own way. Just learning so many different things about her and from her in just about every area of life you possibly can. It's going to be a great revisit. So we hope that you enjoy revisiting our chat with Kathleen. Hello. Hi. Welcome to the Poor Charles 411. Today we talk with Kathleen Gotti. I could just talk to her all day, every day. I felt like I was just hanging out with a friend. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, okay, so tell me more. Right. I just, I know I say it every time, but they just keep getting better and better. Yeah. And I mean, this kind of just came about because, well, I mean, we met her at the GH fantasy event, which you have to go. If if you have the opportunity to go, I don't know why we put off for so long going to these, but I'm glad that was our first one and it was a great time. And we were able to chat a week later. Yes. But I can't wait till they can open it up fully again, like how it was pre-COVID. Yeah. Even if it's the same people, we have to go again. Because yeah, the interaction we need is our completely hugs. different. Exactly. I mean, we need. Yes. I have a rain check for a hug, please. <laughs> they should have. They should have handed out hug coupons <laughs> and been like, "Come back, and I will give you a hug." <laughs> there you go. Lisa Cicero held my hand, so we're good. Right. I didn't get that I, interaction. No, but I need a hug. So she and I need a hug. <laughs> but 
wonderful, wonderful conversation with Kathleen. We hope that you enjoy it. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Shannon. Hello. <laughs> I am so sorry. Something came up. My husband's like, we got to do this for the, you know, another hour. I'm like, I have a thing and I don't, and I didn't even ask you guys if it was live. So I'm like, no, oh, that's okay. I, I got to, I got to check them. I said, this is live. We get it. I'm sorry. You know, so anyway, I apologize. I'm here. <laughs> Am I? Oh, start video here. Let me put myself in. Oh, I, I'm sorry. There. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You're just, just like us. <laughs> well, this is my Sunday finest. Yep. So. Sorry. Anyway, I'm, I'm usually very reliable and a possible person, but today was a little, it got crazy. We have to do some family things. So I apologize. Okay, do, no so where do you guys, you live in Pittsburgh mm -hmm. and are you friends Yep. from a long time? What's, what's your general hospital friend? So, you know, uh, relationship. <laughs> you want to, you want to share our story? <laughs> sure. I need to know basis. I need to know. <laughs> Um, so both our daughters were in Girl Scouts together and just you one and both are yeah. like teenagers. What is this? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> both have daughters. How old are your daughters? <laughs> so I have three of them. They're nine, 16 and 19. Whoa. Okay. I thought you were like 19. Okay. <laughs> and my daughter is 18. Eight? Oh, 18. Wow, 18. Oh, 18. Okay. That's fantastic. I have no kids. My husband's my kid. So I, people say, do you have a kid? My husband, you have a pet? That's my husband. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. I'm sorry. So I interrupted. So you guys oh, met it. Okay. So yeah, the girls were in Girl Scouts together. And then just one random day as Shannon was leaving, she was like, yeah, I have to go home and watch General Hospital. And I was like, what? You watch General Hospital? And then know after that it would just kind of be catch up at the meeting so what'd you think of this what'd you think of that and there was a couple of times that the other moms were like wait who killed what <laughs> and before you know it everyone's watches general hospital right <laughs> exactly so then we joked around about doing a podcast for a while and then finally three years ago we were like just do it <laughs> so yeah no, this is, but it's a great thing because there's so many people that, you know, you just need to keep promoting yourselves. You'll, you can build up because there's just so many of these things and people want to hear, you know, talk, you know, a lot of people just talk about General Hospital. Then sometimes we have time. We'll, you know, be happy to talk to you guys too. So it's yeah. a good thing you guys are doing. It's cool. Yeah. And we talk to other fans too. So sometimes we'll do like a fan spotlight and we love basically what you just asked. We're like, okay, tell us your story. Tell it because everyone has. Like Amanda grew up with her whole family watched it. You know, I grew up where my mom kind of did, but like my Grammy did. So when I got older and she and I would bond over it, you know, everyone has their origin story and it's just, it's really neat to hear. So it is. No, it's totally cool. Yeah. I, that's one of my favorite things when like fans come up, they're like, Oh, I've been watching it with my mom and my grandmother and my great, great, you know, it's like, it's three, four generations. It's really, it's really cool. Because we all had that, you know, it's like I grew up watching certain things, you know, like I Dream of Jeannie, I Love Lucy, Carol Burnett, I'm older than you guys, but, you know, so those things were me. And we, the family sit around and my mom would watch, my dad, and then, you know, my sister and I. So those things, it means something. They have like emotional value. And I don't feel like there's that many anymore because there's so many options. Like I remember as a kid, you know, coming home and it was, what was, what night was Home Improvement on? Wednesday night, mm -hmm. I think. And so like it was Wednesday night, we watched Home Improvement and that's what we did together. So, right. Yeah. I know. Like now I know. with all the streaming. <laughs> I always have notes. I always have notes. Probably blabber, right? But, you know, go ahead and 
ask me things. I'm always happy to share. It was nice to meet you guys. It was you know it was our first time back mm-hmm. in two years, and it was so great. I mean, it was a little awkward for you know everyone was like fans. We have to wear the mask, and then we don't. And you know we don't get to hug you guys. But the fact that we can get back out there and you know get on the plane, fly around the states, meet people, um, you know, it's meet you guys again. It's, it was really fantastic. And I was like, okay, we're almost fully back. You know, it's just a, just a little more time with the mass and stuff, but we're almost fully back. It was so exciting because I love the zoom things, you know, my good kitchen shows, I get to have people mm-hmm. in there and it's really great, but, but I really love meeting people, you know, in person and then we hug and then we talk yeah. and it's, it's just, there's a, a different element to that, but listen, it's a nice addition, but it's not a good replacement. Right. It's not a good right. replacement. It really isn't. But but in many ways, the thing with Zoom that's been really good is that we're reaching people that would never couldn't afford it, couldn't travel, don't have ability, or they're older, or they don't have the health. You know, they're, they're not able to travel, or they have too many you know kids at home and they can't leave. So it's it's also offered another venue for people who would never be able to yeah. travel. And, you know, traveling it's it's not cheap. You travel to, unless you live there, of course. And we do try to. We try to travel for you guys, so you you know we hit as many people as we can in that area. But a lot of people, when when I was in what was it Detroit and in Pittsburgh, they had traveled in from you know all over the place. We've so. talked about going to ones like three or four hours away, but both with having kids, we're like, oh, I don't know, you know, dance and whatever, and you know, they've all yeah. just have lives. <laughs> exactly. So we try to, you know, to, exactly that. We, that's. But again, the zooms have helped to reach out to people who don't. Oh, they can take two hours, but they can't take the whole day or something exactly. or the weekend. So yeah, it's it's been fun. It was fun. It was a really fun weekend, for sure. I'm looking for the next one. I, I in June, the end of June, 25th, 26th, we're going to, I think Fort Worth, um, Florida, not Fort Worth, Texas. Right. I'm sorry. No, no, no. We're going to Texas first. Florida. I'm sorry. November. Yes. Fort Worth, Texas, and Tempe, Arizona, which is near Phoenix. It's it's part of Phoenix, so we'll be there too. So that's cool. Twenty Jan, um, June twenty fifth, twenty sixth, and then November, my husband's birthday. We're going to Florida, so he's coming with me. Oh, that'll be <laughs> nice. So, how do they decide? How do you decide when you're going to do those weekends? Like, are they the weeks that you're not filming? You know what, General Hospital um, Fantasy Events Inc. dot com and Coastal Entertainment they put on these events and Uncle Vinny's they do these events together. They you know they have to plan. I mean, this was planned two years ago, so they before COVID hit. Um, they plan. They make the dates. Usually, they have to plan ahead so people that want to travel can make arrangements. But um, we don't know all the time if we're the show is dark or not. So it's a stab in the dark. I mean, a bunch of the actors worked Friday night, got in a red eye. Got there Saturday morning, did the event, you know, we were in Detroit. After the show, we flew to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, you know, in the morning, we got up, we did our event. Afterwards, they flew back, and and Monday morning, they were back at work. So, but you don't know, you know, it's like I wasn't working, so that was fine. I just went home. But um, But they don't start at 9. They start way earlier in the morning. 6.30. Yeah. So you get home at midnight, you go, you know, one o'clock, two o'clock, we got home about midnight and, you know, brush your teeth, get four winks and wake <laughs> like up. Go and go into the office. Yeah. So they're, they're pretty intense for us, but we, we really love them and we love meeting fans in person. So we're happy to go. Oh, that's awesome. Well, we love having you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so we did see on your website though, that you won 
an award for Best Actress for the Pittsburgh Independent Film Festival? I've yes, I've um actually there was a film called Lifeline and it was a short film, like seventeen minutes, but it was really great film. The, the writer and the director, Jeffrey Wang, it, it's a comedy horror. I'll give, give you the link if you want to put on, on there because it was yeah. very cool. A lot of people have seen it. It was a comedy horror uh, about this Russian fortune teller and what she does to keep her life going long. And, you know, what she, she tells people's fortunes. She looks for like long lifelines and I won't tell you the rest. It was just, and he, he's a writer for criminal minds and, uh, he's not, I think scandal is on another show right now. Anyway, he's just fantastic. He wrote it, he directed it. And I went, the, it, it traveled all over and I won five best actress awards, five different festivals. And that was one of them in Pittsburgh. So I wasn't there. I didn't get to go. Unfortunately, I wish I had, but the film traveled well with the director. So, yeah, we saw that. We're like, oh, wait, because we know about it. But yeah, that's cool. Yeah, life, lifeline, actually. Yeah, remind me, I'll, I'll send you the okay. link. I wrote it. I wrote it down. Yep. Okay, good. <laughs> homework, homework. <laughs> I don't know where you want to go next. <laughs> Wherever you want to go. Anything you like. I'm pretty much an open book. I usually say too much and I go, I shouldn't have said that. Because my mother always said to me when I was a kid, Kati. She said, Kati, that was my name in Hungarian, Kathleen, Katalin Kati. That was a cute Kati. You say too much. I'm like, I know, I know. I can't help it. It just jumps out. So no spoilers, but I'll, you know. So what made you start the cooking show? Um, actually I was asked to do it by the people who do these events traveling around because we weren't able to travel around and the fans were really, you know, chomping at the bit to, to see us. And they came up with this idea to do zoom events with different actors. And I had, um, I lived in, I studied and worked in New York for 10 years back in, I'm going to date myself 79 to about 90. And then I went to, um, 91. I, anyway, I went to Hungary, to Budapest. I'm, my family's from Hungary. I went there to do a film, long story. And I also opened, I was working full-time as an actress, um, and I opened a restaurant and a cookie, wholesale cookie, cakes, dessert factory. Mm. And I was making like 3,000 cookies a day. I mean, not personally. I hired people. They were all my recipes. I made up stuff. Some of it was good. Some of it wasn't, so I bagged those recipes. But anyway, and then I had a restaurant and um, made up the whole menu and couldn't find a chef the first 10 days. Another very long story. I'm not sure you want me to go into that, how long <laughs> this is. But anyway, so I had to be however long you want it to be. Okay. So um, <laughs> I have this restaurant and I love to cook. Again, I hired a chef, but I couldn't find one for the first 10 days. So it was 55 seat restaurant and every night it was two seating. So 110 people I had to cook for by myself because I didn't have a chef for the first 10 days. And it was, I'm telling anybody who's a chef in a restaurant, I watched all these like Gordon Ramsay and top, top shelf, uh, was it top shelf and um, a top floor. The, this new ones with Gordon Ramsay's got a couple of great shows out. And anyway, you know, at all top chef and all, all these like great, great different shows. I mean, off with a hat, it is a incredibly difficult profession. You're working nonstop. You're exhausted. You can't stop. You got to keep going. And then there's more food and everything has to look the same every single time because people are going to go, Oh, it's a different chef. It doesn't taste the same. So it's got to look the same. It's got to, the quality has to be good. That was pretty intense. But anyway, I love to cook. I learned to cook with my mom. I opened a restaurant. The restaurant was successful in Budapest. I'm very proud of that. 
But after a year and a half, I closed the restaurant. Um, it was just a lease and I opened a full-time bakery, a, a wholesale factory. So I really, it's in my genes. My father was a symphony conductor. I've said this so many times. So whoever's listening, I'm sorry, you have to hear it again. But his father, and my mother was an opera singer. So I grew up in the arts, but my father's father and grandfather and my cousins and uncles, they were all in the uh, bakery fresh bread, you know, desserts, all that stuff. So I grew up with that. So it's in my blood, if you could say. And Linda, Linda, Linda Ronos is from Fantasy Events and Coastal Entertainment. She said, you, do you ever think it maybe, you want to do, try like a Zoom cooking show? And I went, okay. You know, so we sort of threw around this idea like, well, I guess we could try it. And we've been doing it for about a year and a half. I've, this is, I'm going to be doing my eighth one, June 2nd. And you come into my kitchen we, you know, we talk, it's a lot of, it's basically, it's not that I'm a genius chef or anything. It's just basically time to spend with the fans an hour and a half, two hours. Some people pay a little extra and they can spend, you know, I think another half hour and, and we do questions. We talk like this. In the meantime, I'll, I'll say, you know, let's, I'm going to make this thing. And last time I made some, you know, Hunga a Hungarian dish that I love. It's like these meat crepes and I show people how to do it. And, you know, but, but we're also talking, there's this relationship with you guys and I can, we communicate and people ask me questions about the show and about Scotty and you know it's just there's, there's fun some Brita you know these all these kind of things that they ask me about and it's really fun so yes I'm sharing a recipe that I like because I'm, I'm working on a cookbook it's called my life and recipes but I also have stories that that recipe was when I was in Hungary and I won the best actress award for actually best supporting in 1993 for this film I did. And we went out, the celebratory meal was, were these crepes, meat crepes. And it was like, you know, so they leave kind of an indelible impression for me. And it's like, this is a story for me. Every time I always, I call it emotional eating. You're eating this because it reminds you of your mom. It reminds me of, you know, something sweet with your kids. How they love the, you know, the Girl Scout cookies. So yeah, we sell those and we love these, you know, so there's a, an emotional connection to food. It's not just like, I'm eating a hamburger and that's great. There's something, it's a story behind it. And that's for me. It's like, these are stories. So every, every time I make something, the first, my first show, we just tried it out was this lemon loaf that I had, I had come up with. I had eaten it as a child. Um, my neighbors and I grew up in Canada. My neighbors across the street from, were from Scotland and they had a freezer always full of desserts. And so a little Kathleen Gaddy would go across the street and <laughs> knock on the door. I'm like, you know, 10 years old. Hi. And they're like, Oh, here comes a kid. She wants some dessert. And you know, so they would take, I said, what do you have? And they had those like Neapolitans and date bars and all oh, the Nimo bars, these Canadian things. And they had this lemon, lemon loaf. And it was amazing. They never gave me the recipe, but I can tell what, what's in, a, in food. I'm, I'm, gift whatever it is or the scary thing but it's it or a curse but you know it's like i'll taste and go oh that's got this and that and, then, and lemon zest and lemon juice and then you know so it i learned these things as i go along and and or just taste them and figure it out somehow or it's like a science project i keep working on it till it works out and i came up with this and that was like one of my top that was my top seller in the bakery so i thought what a, what better way to start my first zoom cooking show than to share my number one selling item that was in the bakery. So I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm proud of that. I, I'm, I, I'm pretty, I don't want to say I'm proud of things or I'm proud of my acting. It's like, I, I'm not, that's not how, who I am and how I comfortable I am saying those things. But I was proud of the bakery. I was proud of the restaurant. It was a big deal. It was a lot of work. And, and now I'm so grateful that that experience is parlaying into these Zoom shows talking with General Hospital combined talking to the fans who actually, and people say, well, I don't cook, so I don't want to do shows. It's like, that's okay. But it's not so much about the food as the relationship with 
the fans. You know, we just talk about the show. I answer any questions like you guys are asking me. You know, I'm an open book. What do you want to know about my husband, about our lives? I mean, I'm basically happy to share anything. Um, how we met, match.com. You know, so it's like we just had our we just had our 15 year anniversary on April 6th. Um, was when we met our first date on April 7th. 15 years ago and then april 7th was our 10-year wedding anniversary so like, <laughs> no that's very similar to my husband and i met on plenty of fish before it i've heard that it's gone in a different direction than when yeah. we met um yeah. but we met our first date was may 13th and we got married on may 21st two years later that's fantastic actually yes because i know some other people who got married on plenty of fish but basically i mean people say well how could you meet you know online cycle like, I don't know, I'm older and I'm home and I'm studying or going to auditions or working or, you know, so it's like, and I don't go, the usual excuse, I don't go to clubs. And if you, even if you do, you go trolling, you know, like, Hey baby, <laughs> you know, right. and, and like it's not my world. I don't really drink. So it's, it's not my scene. I don't really go to clubs. So it, it was a great thing. But you still have to people like, well, how could you do that online? Well, it's like when you go out, you still have to meet a bunch of people and sift through the weirdos and the yeah. married people and the people, you know, it's like in the not normal and not nice. And oh, there's an alcoholic. He's had a seventh drink. I don't think I'll keep talking to him, you know, so it's the same thing. Thing you kind of, but here you can window shop. It's like, oh, it's like exactly. Amazon. It's Amazon for <laughs> I think I went on maybe a handful of dates before because I was a single mom for seven years. Oh. And it was That's tough. A, a friend of mine was like, all right, just, you know, when the kids are gone with their dad, go on a couple of dates. That's right. And I always had, you know, the person that I called or they would call me to let me know, you know, they're like checking in with me and everything. And he and I met on a Wednesday night and the rest is history. And it was funny because my friend who told me, who introduced me to plenty of fish about a month and started calling him my husband. And I was like, I'm not marrying him. <laughs> we'll be married for 11 years next month. So. Uh, congratulations. That's awesome. Likewise, yeah. So very similar. Yeah. No, no, it, it was really cool. And, our first day, you know, we, we did the, we went out and we right away, we clicked. I'm like, Oh, so I called my girlfriend. Cause she, she was, you know, she had seen me and heard my phone. Every time I had a date, it was like, Oh, this disaster. Oh, that disaster. we would laugh. It'd be, a, you know, I couldn't yeah, wait to, to tell her like the crazy experience I had that evening. And this time after years and years and years of dating, I called her up and she said, so how was it? And I went, Oh, Oh, <laughs> She said, Aww. oh, oh. She said, oh, oh, I went, yeah. She said, you like this one. First time in, I don't know how many. So I was like, I'm going to write a book about all the dates, but I, I lost the oomph. I'm focusing on the cookbook. So. Yep. <laughs> but there's some good stories. They might get in the book, actually. They just might get in the book. So I take it that the bakery closed then because you said that you were. Well, that was in Budapest, Hungary. And. What happened was I was there in 90, the end of 91, early 92. Um, I went back to Canada. My mother had, was ill and I went back for about a year, nine months, and then went back to New York. Um, she passed away. And it was really, I was going to move to LA. That was kind of a, a hard time. Anyway, instead of going to LA, um, I went to Hungary for a couple of months with my ex. Long story. It's not important. That part's not important. But, mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it got, you know, went to Hungary and we did this film and I stayed for, uh, it was just supposed to be two months, but because I won a, an award there, I got a lot of like best supporting actress. It's like the golden globe, uh, television and film critics award. And it opened a lot of wonderful doors. 
and I got one television series lead and another television series lead and a f lead in a f feature film and another feature film and a movie of the week. I'm just this wonderful work. So I ended up staying, bought a home there, which we still have. Luckily, my husband's an architect. We've renovated it since. But, it, you know, it's, it's, um, so I just stayed for a while. And then in 95, that was in 92, communism ended, you know, like around the wall came down. Berlin Wall, and you know, and then it's sort of like so 89, 90, 91, it was shifting. And the government basically, the government sponsored, um, met, you know, medical, your medical is all paid for, education is all paid for, the arts are pretty much paid for, you know, everything. So you go to the movie theater, you pay a dollar, you know, it's like, so everything is subsidized. The government pays for all the production, television, feature films, everything. Well, now that communism ended, now became democratic. So all of a sudden, people who are used to getting all this, you know, well, I get the money and I'll just make a movie. Now they had to figure out a way how to make movies and how to make television series without the money from the government. Well, now, you know, it's like we're used to it because you get advertisers, you get producers, you get executive producers, you get your money, you get a television station behind you. They had to reshift. So basically, from about 95, 96, for about 10 years, the industry kind of died. Oh, wow. So, and I started the bakery and the restaurant in 95. And around ha 96, it was a year and a half that they were in one. And um, because it was just a lease and, that, and another long story with my ex and whatever, that, that part. But um, so I closed the restaurant, opened the bakery. But in by 98, 97, 1998, I was going... I'm, I have a really great cookie business. I was going to open 10. It was kind of like the Starbucks, if you will. Um, the, the cakes, I had like pound cakes, you know, sliced up and cookies packaged and carrot cakes and chocolate. I mean, everything, muffins, all kinds of stuff. And and selling to the airlines, Molev at the time was still there. That was the Hungarian Airlines and selling to them. And it was a, it was a successful business, but I'm an actress. I was born wanting to act. I came out of my mother's womb. I'm an actress. I'm a dancer. I want to sing. So it was really hard to not do that. And, you know, because I was doing some theater and, but it wasn't the same f um, career that I had earlier. And, and the industry wasn't the same. So I couldn't continue that. And it was such a great time there. And I thought, you know, and I want, I was supposed to move to Hollywood back before my mom got sick back in 90. And I was heading to Los Angeles from New York. And I thought, you know what, let me give myself one more shot at Hollywood, if it were, I'm 40 years old, this is 23 years, 24 years ago, if it works, I'll give myself three years. If it doesn't work, I'll go back to Hungary. And I, my uh, cookie business, I call it cookie business, but I sold all kinds of things, was um, wholesale. So I wanted to do retail. I wanted to be, there was no Starbucks back then. Now they have everything, Starbucks, Pete's Coffee, like coffee bean, whatever, all, all over Hungary. But back then, again, they didn't have this. So it was a really great time to start, you know, do a series of cafes and stuff. So I thought, how cute would that be to have like 10 cafes? Each one would be like a famous actor. It would be theirs, like a franchise, like, you know, like Robert De Niro would own this one or, or he would be, it would be his. So he would show up every now and then and he could, you know, people would meet him. He would see him before he, the, most actors in Hungary go to, they work in the theater every day when they're not in the summers, they shoot films and during the year they're doing repertoire in the theater. So they would stop by before the show or after, you know, and people could just see their favorite actors 
and their pictures would be all over. I was going to have like sunflowers everywhere and red tables and little kids would have like, you know, those um, telephone cable, you know, they wind around these like wooden round. Oh yeah. The beads. Yes. What are they called? The beads that like, they just travel like all through the wire. Is that what you're talking about? No, no, no. I'm talking about those, they're, they're round cylinder wooden things and they wrap like telephone cables around it. Anyway, I was going to have those like little tables for kids, paint them red. The children would sit on the floor, you know, little chairs. They would have their own table. Like they would be grown ups with some, you know, crayons and drawing and Play-Doh, whatever. And the adults would have their cup of coffee and talk with their friends. So I, I had this idea I found the first, I, I, in Hungary, my, the condo is on the Broadway of Budapest. It's like every theater is, it's, you know, it's, it's a walking road and obviously like there's 10, 20 theaters there. And I found a little space that was like, I don't know, a couple of square feet and would have been my first place. And I was so excited. I thought, you know what I'm going to do? Open these 10 little cafes and, and it was called Nushi, Nushi Nashi. Like Nushi was this character I played in a film that I was best known for. It was a really sweet comedy called We Never Die. And the character was Nushi, which is like Anushka, Anne, Annie. So Anushka, Nushi is a nickname for Annie, basically, in Hungarian. So I came up with the name Nushi Nosh, like a snack. Nashi, it's the same in Hungarian, Nushi Nosh. So it was an Annie snack. That was the name of the company, and I was going to have 10 of these Nushi Nashis. So I had the first one, and I found this location. And I was also thinking, as soon as I have these 10 open, it'll give me a couple years, I'm going to Hollywood. And I was already 40 then. So I'm going, okay, Hollywood at 40, even when you're 20, is already too late. But 40 is really bad. I was like, I don't care. Nothing stops me. So I'm like, okay. So I found the first location. I was on the Broadway of Hungary at you know, Budapest right there, close to where I live, the condo. Um, I can keep an eye on it. And the, there was an empty property. It used to be a little boutique. And this woman had owned it. It's a very wealthy woman. She didn't care. Her father bought her all these places. She just left it empty. She didn't use it. And... um so I, she was like, sure, I'll sell it to you. I don't care. So it was great. The property went there with the architect and she had to be there to open the door. And me, because I'm like, oh, I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put the things in. Like I'm telling you now, I'm going to be you know, excited. I'm going to put the little tables for the kids painted red and sunflowers on the walls. And there's going to be red tables with counters. And I'm going to have the bakery and it's going to smell good. And people will be out in the street and they can smell all the good fresh, you know. Well, the next day I was supposed to sign a contract. An hour before I, ha- I got to sign the contract, she called the lawyer to cancel. She said, I changed my mind. I want to do it. <gasps> so my enthusiasm had inspired her. Oh, no. the, deal, the deal was off. Oh. I was devastated. I am telling you, and I'm telling everyone who's listening, this happens to, how often does this happen in life? You don't get that opportunity, that job, that promotion, the guy, the girl, whatever. You lose it and you're just like the carpet has been pulled out from me. I had a master plan and this was the first one. And I was, you know, and I had an architect come. I came that, you know, I paid them to come and do a design for me, everything. I sat, I probably cried probably about 24 hours. I usually say cry for like, you know, five minutes, have some ice cream and move on. Probably it took me about 24 hours. I was just like the wind was taken out of me. But then the next day I woke up and I went, wait a minute. This is a sign. This is not what I'm supposed to be doing. Get packed. Go to Hollywood for three years. Forget about it. You've got your cookie business. Let your employees 
keep the business going wholesale. That's fine. This is not what you're supposed to do. So it was a giant sign. But initially I was like, I had this planned God. This was my plan. And, you know, they say man plans and God decides. And that's not how it was. And now looking back retrospectively, I'm so grateful because it was fun and it's secure. I mean, fun. It was all hard work, but it was like creative and opening all these restaurants and, you know, these cafes would have been so great, like Starbucks. But honestly, I'm so grateful because now that the country is saturated, I would have been drowned by all the coffee beans and all the Starbucks. I couldn't have competed. It's just too much. They would have bought me out, you know, put 10 stores next to me. And it, it worked out well. It would have been successful for a couple of years, but I would have spent a fortune building these 10 places. The actors I got lined up, they were excited. I, I had to disappoint them. I'm sorry, but they were like, okay, I'm an actor. It doesn't matter. But for me, it was such a disappointment. But I, you know, now I, I, these are lessons you learn in life as we go along. It isn't always perfect. It isn't always great. There's a lot of crap. <laughs> Excuse me, guys. A lot no. of poop. Life <laughs> is just, it's just one, you know, a lot of times just one darn thing after another. But this was just a grateful negative thing that happened that turned into something. I left like a few months, you know, I packed up and shortly after I left and, and came to Los Angeles and the rest is history. And I came to LA and they're like, oh, you're 40 years old. What are you doing here? You're so old. You're a big success in Hungary. Go back to Hungary. So, you know, that's okay. It's, it's tough. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a tough business. It's not kind. People are like, I want to be an actress. I want to do what you do. Okay, I've been studying since I was three. Knock yourself out. Study, work, do free theater, do community theater, go to school. You know, just do everything. Work on the other side of the camera. I mean, all that stuff. But just to finish up the bakery. So I left it to my employees. And it's really hard to have a business about 8,000 miles away. I can imagine. Yeah. And to keep, I think it was about 8,000. Anyway, to keep that going... And, you know, the employees, and I said, look, you build up the business, you'll make more money. But there, this is still the old mentality. It's like, well, you know, we'd rather play cards, so we'll just do the business a little bit. And the business, they, they kind of destroyed, almost destroyed it. So I had to go back to Hungary, and I sold it, and then I, I leased it to a really close friend's daughter who just came out of school. She was in marketing, and she was just awesome. And and I thought, you know, she was so excited. I'm going to build up this business. And I was like, fantastic. So she, I let her have it. I had another person interested, but she begged me and begged me. And my girlfriend said, please give it to my daughter, please. So I did. I leased her the business. And a few months later, it turns out she tried to steal it from me. <gasps> oh I got a call at 3 o'clock in the morning from a, my baker said, uh, you got to come back because she's about to steal you. She's telling everyone it's not your business anymore. She's moving the business somewhere else. She's changing the, anyway. I got in a plane. I went back to Hungary. I was on a television show in Canada called Da Vinci's Inquest in Vancouver. I had to, you know, when that was done, I got on a plane, went to Budapest, stole my business back, if that's the right word, or recaptured it, did major damage control, took about three months, fixing it up, getting it ready, and I had to sell it. And it was like my baby because I don't have kids, but I, I started with a bowl in my kitchen. That's how the bakery began with an idea. And it was heart-wrenching. But again, sometimes you have to let go of things that just aren't meant to continue. You know, so it's a long story. I'm sorry. But that's kind of what, no. you know, it's life happens. I mean, stuff happens all the time. You're like, why did this happen? Well, you know, I guess I wasn't supposed to be there. But it, it was hard to let it go. But again, it's it has to be your baby to love it with you know it has to be your cre creation and your passion that makes it successful if you don't put it into it it's not going to work 
and and you also have to make sure people don't steal your stuff. So yeah, <laughs> anyway, yeah. In a that's kind of yeah. So that's why I saw I had to sell the bakery. I think that was your question. It was a long story. Yeah, you no. asked why did I sell it? But and and honestly. I came to Los Angeles and it wasn't like piece of cake, you know, besides people hurting my feelings. Oh, you're so old for Hollywood. And I was like, someone needs a mom or grandma or an aunt or a creepy teacher, something cleaning lady. I did a lot of Russian cleaning ladies. I can do accents because I love accents. My parents had thick Hungarian accents. I used to make fun of them. So it was kind of a natural thing. And and not that many people when I first came to Hollywood uh, in 98, could do it. Now everyone does an ac- does accents like, okay, so, or they have the real, the real deal. But, um, so yeah, when I came here, I did a lot of, you know, that stuff, but it was really hard to get started. But I, every time when things weren't going, I'd get like some, a job and I, I met a lot of casting people and I just basically started from scratch. I coach students and I tell them, you know, go meet casting directors, go to workshops, study with them, whatever it is to get that connection going and to learn what they like. And I, exactly what I teach people that's what I was doing. Like, you know, a, a professional actor is going back to acting school or kindergarten kind of thing. But it paid off because I got a little job then I got another job. I was on, the, I think the practice was a TV show years ago. I was on that. It was like my first job, then Brothers Keeper. I played a, I was a cop in that. Then I played a Russian cleaning lady on Brothers Keeper. That was really fun. It was the same Jamie uh, Widows who does, um, who did Frasier. So it was a short-lived series, but I was on that for a while. So, you know, it's like bit by bit, but in between, because it's freelance work. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because my husband said, how can you do freelance? You never know what's next. And I went, it's a two-edged sword. On one hand, it's so scary. Like, you never know what's coming next. So you don't know if you're going to have a paycheck. What are you going to do? On the other hand, that's so exciting. You don't know what's coming next. It could be fantastic, you know. So, and that's my personality. I just love that. Oh, what's coming next? I don't want to know. I don't know. I don't want a fortune teller to tell me. I don't want to know that's nine to five job and that's all I can do and that's all I know. And it depending, even if I had and I've done nine to five jobs, that's I put myself through school. I I want the unknown. Uh, the you know what can I do here? I can change this or learn this or do something different. So that's just who I am, I guess. And I and I need that for my personality. But there were times in Los Angeles as an actress when there was nothing. I went to an audition or I didn't have any auditions. You know, there was nothing. So I I would start looking around at locations for bakeries because that's something I know how to do. And I went, okay, you know what? That's a fallback plan. You always have to, I think you always need a fallback, something. Because, you know, you don't want to be stupid. You have to eat. And you don't want to like false dreams. People are like, well, you know, one day when I grow up, yeah, you're 95. What are you going to do? I want to be a ballerina. Ugh, you should have another plan. <laughs> right about wanting to be a ballerina. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So it's like you have to be realistic with yourself, with the world, with the industry. The industry in 23 years has changed dramatically for a multitude of reasons. So that was my fallback plan. And I would look around and I would find a spot. It's happened a couple of times. It was a bakery in, in Hollywood. Oh, there's one on Fairfax. I could I could do that. Yeah. And I would go there and they had just rented it or something. It was like, okay. Then I find another. I said, this is, you know, I find a location. I, no, actually, I get an acting job. Okay. Then I go for the next. Actually, that's what happened. Yeah. And then I went, okay. Then another dull period or, you know, low period. And I would, okay, let me look around for another. Not a restaurant. I never want to do that again. That was great. But I'd rather just eat there, drink there, and have a good time and go home and forget about it. But um, so I look for another location. I found one in a mall. I went, oh, that's great. A mall, you know, the fresh cookies, the smell. Because you really need, it's it's traffic. You know, mm-hmm. it's foot, foot traffic. 
and I would talk to the people and we get a deal going and then boom, I get it like, I got like really good. Like I was on 24 for a season and a bit, you know, it was like, okay, thank you. I'm listening. God, I'm listening. And you know, this happened several times. And then fortunately my, you know, I started working full time, different things, but it was enough income to, I didn't need a second source of, you know, money. So, but it's so interesting how life, you know, you, you go this way and then it takes you that way. Then you go that way and then it takes you this way. And here I am. And the three years turned into 23 years and, and then some, so. Was Obrecht the longest um, role that you've had then? Oh, yeah. I've been on that show. It'll be 10 years. July 31st was 10 years that I was on the, I went to the studio. And I think my first episode aired August 24th. And it was just two episodes with Duke, Ian Buchanan, who's just a doll. Love working with him. And Tony Geary. He was Dr. Von Schimmerman. I don't know if you remember, but he, yep. he, the, he was in Switzerland. And he went to the, 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 the uh, psychiatric care center or something. I think that's where I had kidnapped. Oops. Um, Robin. And I think in Anna, you know, they came looking for her and I had her, had her, I was just doing what Faison wanted me to do. I, was, <laughs> I know. I loved the guy and I was crazy in love with him. And I did, he said, kidnap her. And I did, you know, it was, it's, it's a job. You do what you're told. You know, <laughs> I put, I'm, I, I put Scorpio in a, a coma for a year. He wasn't happy about that, but you know, it's like, I, again, I'm just doing what I'm told. So, but it'll be 10 years. And yes, so Lisa Lobrecht is definitely the longest I've done. It, it's getting close to 500 episodes. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, they should have her open up a bakery. Yeah. Like, wouldn't that be great if you cook spot dinner and he's like, this is the best. I, okay. We love that. He calls you schnitzel. <laughs> I was gonna call like, him schnitzel, and like the the writers put in him calling me. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm supposed to call him that. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you that. So when Liesl just goes off in like little, um, when she starts speaking other languages, German. do you get to ad lib that, or is that in the? No, I don't ad lib anything. I, I don't. I mean, the writers are so, you know, they write such great material for me. I really never feel the need to and. And again, this is who I am. This is my training. You know, I, I spent 10 years in New York, did tons of theater, 167 plays. I was adding up from the time I was in school and the time I was a kid. All of this stuff. I mean, these, this is a profession. Writers, just the same way I studied acting, they studied, They went to school. They could be doctors, you know, but they studied to become writers. And they have worked hard. And then they're interning. And then they're working. I mean, this is not a slack job like, oh, I think I'll write something. This is a serious profession. And I treat them and their work with the same respect that I expect to be treated with as well. So I've rarely looked at something on, I can't say that, or, or with, you know, it, there's very few times, or that's not funny. I think it's funny and it's my job to make it funny. And hopefully it is, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't always come out the way I'd like it to, but sometimes it works, but it's because of their wonderful writing. And I love the way they write for me. And some people embellish a little bit like Michael Easton will just throw in a little cute things. One time he was, um, we had a scene, I think I was mentioning this the other day where he, uh, I was pushed off by, by Brad off the ship, off the, yeah. what's that the ship called? The um, Haunted Star. 
the Han and Star, sorry, thank you. I haven't been on the Star for a while, so that's why. And, but anyway, so I get pushed off, and then they rescue me, and he has to give me mouth to mouth to resuscitate me. And he says something about, you could have bought me dinner at least first or something. <laughs> that wasn't in the script, and it was hysterical. But those are just little gems occasionally. But the writing, these again, these writers, they know the history, they, they have a storyline, or they know the story that's coming that we don't know, we're not privy to. So I just, I really, and, and also, not only that, but you're working in as a team with hmm. the other actor. So if you say to the other actor, you know, there's a line, I'm hungry, do you want to have dinner? And the other actor goes, yeah, how about this restaurant? But if I say, isn't it a beautiful, you know, this weather sucks, they're going to go, yeah, yeah, me too, I'm hungry, let's go to the restaurant. You know, so <laughs> you're not right. helping them. It's really inconsiderate. It's unprofessional. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm, this is my bugaboo because there's some people that just like to make up stuff and go off, oh, I'm funny or saying this or I don't like that line or, you know, it's like, and it hurts. It's not just that it's really difficult to follow them and then you have a line to say, but it no longer makes sense. So now you have to start thinking of another line. There isn't time. In my humble opinion, we are not Robin Williams, who's a genius and he can go off script and, you know, he, I worked with him twice. He's brilliant and he can, he, he could, poor thing. He could say what he wants and do what he wants. He's a genius. We are not geniuses. We are working actors. We show up, we learn our lines, we show up. It's a factory. Most shows are 23 or 26 episodes a year. You have a couple of weeks to learn your lines here. You're lucky if now and we have five days most of the time, which is great. But there was a time you had one day, maybe two days. And you've got 150 pages. I mean, you don't, this is not a joke. So you've got to get as quickly off page and make sure you're giving the correct line to your partner so they can give you the right answer back. So it's, it's respect to your colleagues, respect to the writers and timing. There just isn't time to be like, Oh, I think I'm going to, you know, go off into, you know, sometimes we have a little window, but there really isn't. So I do not write to answer your question <laughs> briefly. No, I do not. I, I do not. I say verbatim what's written because it's so good. And, and also even if I, I think, well, you know, maybe not, but I don't, I really, I really appreciate the writing I get. I think Obert has great writing. Um, it's always dynamic. It's always exciting. I never know. It's like Christmas every time. Ooh, what's, you know, what happens today? Oh, I'm going to kidnap somebody. Oh, I'm going to try to kill somebody. Oh, I'm going to dance. I'm going to sing. Okay. You know, so <laughs> it's been a really fun role. I really have appreciated the, the, ver the varied colors I get to, you know, bring to the table. So for me, and, and probably some actors don't get to do that. So their actor, maybe their storyline isn't as interesting. So they try to make it more fun for themselves or, you know, so anyway, yeah, but I, I appreciate when the actors like stick to the script because I'm studying that response also, you know, and it, it helps my, my acting. And if they say something, you know, my cho acting choices, and if they say something different, then I have to not do that choice, which I prepared to make it funny for the audience or sad for, you know, something. And it, it affects your work. It, it's not fun in yeah. my humble, this is me. That's how I like to work in my training. I just love that answer. Sorry. No, no, I've never make, thought about it. Up. And yeah. again, I, it's not my, I'm not really, I'm trying to write this cookbook and I realize how hard it is to write a cookbook, like how hard it is to be a chef, how hard it is to have a bakery, how hard, you know, it's like I, the more things you experience in life, I mean, to be a parent, I don't have kids. I can't even imagine how hard that must be. That's just like incredible. I mean, you are full time, you know, it's, it's, it's you don't belong to yourself anymore. So it, it's a huge, huge undertaking. Yeah. And off with a hat. I mean, I, I made that choice not to have kids and it's, 
you know, I, I, part of me is like, oh, I, you know, wish I didn't. And another part is I wouldn't have time. Not that I'm, I don't think I'm a selfish person, but I need time to think and to do. And it's like, and I'm whimsical and it's like, you know, I'll feed my husband. Now I'm so excited. I cook and, and then I don't want to. I'm like, no, we're eating out. Or I forget. And he's like, oh, could I have something to eat? Oh, I'm sorry. We can't do that with kids. So, you know, <laughs> I am. I, I don't think you'd have to be a good, responsible, reliable parent. <laughs> I don't think I'd have to build. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> we can't forget to, although they... They do eventually become self-sufficient, but definitely understand, <laughs> you know, you want to be able to leave to go to Hungary for an undetermined amount of time. Right. You know, so. And yeah. my husband retired a few years ago, um, and so he has more time to travel. I don't work all the time on the show. The show's dark for weeks at a time. So I'm like, you know, let's go. And we haven't since COVID. We were planning, we were about to embark on a two-month trip, and then that got the kibosh on it but yes if we want to you know i can say hey guys i'm please don't write for me at general hospital for two months because we're going to go to hungary you know we're taking off or i'm working i'm doing a film there or something or some other shows and i'm i'm just recurring so they only bring me in as they need for a little storyline or something so it's like i am pretty flexible to do other projects which is great also do uh, other things so I, I like that freedom we need more of you and Scott. Though. It's it's so. Was that intended, or was that just an accident? Like, were you just supposed to have a one night stand, and then it was like the response was so amazing that they decided to make you guys a couple? You know what? I think they do that probably with everybody to see how okay. the chemistry works with the fans and how the, how they react. I mean, if you think back on um, Anna and Obrecht, you know, in the rage room, we did that once trying Lost to resolve. Well, everyone loved it. So now then they did another, you know, then they did a second thing with the act. You know, they're like, oh, they loved it. We got to give them more. So the same thing with, and oh, they like our, you know, Anna and Obrecht because they're like, it's, you know, staunch enemies and they did this and this and that. And so they try to give us, you know, they they do listen to you very much. They listen to fans. They read all this stuff and they go, they're really hating Heinrich, you know, the storyline with Peter. They, you know, really loving this. Okay, you know, they don't like that actor. Goodbye, the actor. They don't like the storyline. It's not even the actor's fault, mostly. It's usually the storyline that, you know, an actor gets killed off or something. But but also it works the other way around. It's like, you know what? Let's try Scott with Obrecht. Let's try it out. So they did that one thing and the fans, you know, really responded positively. They're like, let's see where it goes. So, that, you know, there's been some progress. And and it's been fun. It's like, oh, Obeck has a boyfriend. And, and she, it's a whole, again, a whole other um, side of Obeck we haven't seen, which, again, as an actress, it's fun because Obeck's this uptight, evil, in a box. You know, it's just a few colors. And, oh, yeah, she sings and dances, does a little comedy. But basically, she's very stiff. And, and she was only herself with her son, Nathan. That's when she was really down to earth and could just be natural and real. The other times, it's very stilted and stylized. But here, now she's got a boyfriend. And she gets to be this teenager that she's never been because with Cesar Faison, she was like, you know, the, the what do you call it, the slave, if you will, or, you know, just kind of running after whatever he'd been doing his bidding and whatever he wanted and hoping he would, like, throw her a bone, you know, oh, I love you. He, there was never that. There was, so it was always this, uh, you know, because he was in love with Anna. So she was always second fiddle and third fiddle. And so here is somebody who's, who brings out the teenager in her that she never got to experience. It's like, I just, as an actress, I just 
chomping my teeth into that op, you know opportunity to to have that chance to like oh goody that's a color we haven't explored for Obrecht. She gets to be and that person is kind of more like who I am anyway. So I kind of let myself come through. It's like okay, <laughs> I get to be the goofball now, you know. So the teenager. So I really like. I, I really think that's fun, and we we have some stuff coming up. Oh, awesome. yay! Cool. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> a morsel, but still, <laughs> it's something. Yes, anything's better than nothing. Yeah. So, how do people respond to you now that they see you as Obrecht? Have you met anyone that can't get in the mindset that you're a person separate than Obrecht? Because just meeting you on the street, thinking of you as Obrecht, I would be like, oh, I don't like her. She's not very nice. You know what I. It, in in all the years that um, I've been Obrecht, I've been stopped a lot at the grocery store. Oh, okay. It's so like this. What you see, this, you know, right now we're, we're, we're talking about, I, I use my hair and ponytail. I come from the gym or schlepping. I'm sampling food. Usually my mouth is full of food and trying something. And then, and then people go, oh, I love you. And it's, you know what's interesting? A few people call me Dr. Evil. Oh, and, and back when I really was now, I'm like more mom to Britta and I have a right. boyfriend. You know, it's a little different. She's softened. But back then when I was doing hardcore, like, you know, kidnapping and stabbing people and all that stuff, people really like the dark. I wish I, cause honestly, as an actress and growing up, I thought I, you know, the Waltons. Yes. You ever watch the Walton, you know, John boy and the mom. I always wanted to be Mrs. The mom, Mrs. Walton. Cause I thought, She's just this kind, warm. I loved her. And I went, I want to be that person that people go (laughs) warm and kind. And so that's kind of the role I've been aspiring to get in my career and to kind of grow into that. And Obrecht is like the polar arms. The Krampus, I mean, all that stuff. And I was really kind of, I was like, oh man, I'm going to get hated. But it's like, you know what? They hate you. That means you're doing your job well. But people love the evilness of Obrecht. And I'm just like, wow, people are dark, but we all are. People like, and then people would say, well, how could you be so evil on the show? And I'm going, okay, don't tell me you haven't killed a spider or a fly, <laughs> right? You see a spider, you're like, <gasps> I mean, or a fly. I mean, you just want to like, you know, worse, get the swat around and kill that. So I think we all have, and of course, survival you don't want that around your house but i'm just saying that's kind of instinctual we we all have that unfortunately that dark dark side and people just love these like you know walking dead and and horror movies and the end of the world movies you know it's like that's just part of our human nature i think to look at that look at the dark you know i'm just saying as far as entertainment it's like that's kind of people though i'm shocked i i have that's been like the hardest part or one of the hardest part of this job is to like except that people love the darkness. It's like, wow, okay, let's give them more. You know, <laughs> I can well, be I think that we could mostly always see that, like, she was just going after Cesar's approval, you know, or, you know, whenever you had Peter tied to the bed, it was because you were trying to protect the people you love. Absolutely. So it was never, you were never, you know, the character was never malicious just for the sake of being malicious. Right. Gratuitous maliciousness. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I like that. Gratuitous. You know, it, it was all done in love. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, her, her yes. very strange sense of love. That's right. Yeah, that's true. But, um, yeah, I mean, but but it's fun though because again, now that I've accepted that I won't be Mrs. Walton, at least not on this show, but um, you know that people have that and they like that they they vicarious vicariously 
live through you through that darkness and go, yeah, you know, that person hurt me. And we all have that in life, people that hurt us, people that took this or took that or, you know, something didn't happen. And so I think it's it helps the audience vicariously to go, yeah, you know, starve him with a sandwich. Don't give it to him. You know, hit him over the head with a, you know, the vase, whatever it was. So. Because we also saw you. So we both love um, Desperate Housewives. Oh, yeah. And you were on that. But you were a Sunday school teacher. Yes. I was Mrs. Walton with a gun in her hand. <laughs> See, you got the nice crossover of both. It was, you're the Sunday school teacher, but at the same time. You know, again, it's like, I mean, a Sunday school teacher with a good heart. You know, that, that was a fun, fun role working with those people. It was really great. Oh, how did you perfect your different accents? I know you said that you got some of it from your parents, but how about everything else? Um, my parents spoke with very thick Hungarian accent and they speak like this. And I always made fun of my, my parents, my mother, especially poor thing. I would be helping in the, helping her in the kitchen and she'd be showing me to cook, how to cook something and be talking. And then Kati, why, why you do this thing? I said, mommy, why you do this thing? And she said, I don't talk like that. Yes, mommy, you talk like that. No, Kati, I don't, why you make fun of me? Anyway, it was so much fun, but I always made fun of their accents and I grew up listening to to them and I used to and I just love and I and I studied different languages so I enjoy speaking the languages and then also the accents of people I think it's just you know you it's something that you pick up in life you just things that you know strike you like you like music or listening to people talk I mean I I just was fascinated where people are from because my parents are immigrants and their story was very important to me and how they came to Canada from Hungary during the revolution which is what's going on unfortunately in, in in the Ukraine right now. So these people have to escape and my parents had to escape the same, the same way. Sister was a baby. turns out my mother didn't know, but she was pregnant with me. So it was just this whole story that's very close to me with what's going on. And, um, but again, I'm digressing, but it's I basically, so I'm always fascinated where people come from and why did they leave their country? Do they have to, do they want to? And you'll hear their accents and, oh, I'm from Serbia. I'm from Russia. I'm from France. I mean, and I've always been fascinated and I have, and I think because of the music growing up with all the classical music in our home, my ear is fine tuned to that and to accents. And I started doing them professionally and they would say well we need someone to do russian so i would go to the audition like i said when i first came to hollywood 23 years ago 24 years ago now um it was you know you would go to an audition there would be maybe 20 people if you go to an audition where just an american accent there'd be 200 people 2000 people i mean it was just ridiculous the quantity but for specific accents it would be like 20 so i wouldn't be competing as with you know as many people um and then, and then I would get, I was on a show, I played an Austrian woman with German accent on, um, Austrian accent, Austrian German on, uh, what was that called? Uh, uh, with Piper, uh, Parabo. I'm sorry. Covert, I think it was Covert Affairs. I was going to say, I'm like, I can see the picture in my head of what the. Covert Affairs. There was, there was two shows. I keep mixing them up anyway. And I played in that. Then another one, I was a Croatian woman on, on the other, um, another show. Then I've done, I've done a lot in 24. I was the first lady of Russia with a Russian accent. Um, so I've done a lot of German in a film, uh, with, what's that name? With, um, I'm sorry. My brain is just. Uh, right. I'm all these, like, there's so many names floating around inside. Miranda, Miranda Hill, I think her name was Miranda. She directed the future, this feature film. 
it's not a last name. That's another director I work with. Anyway, she, and, and I had to play, I played a German vet. You take the cat and then you put the cat here and you give twice a day, you give it. So it was really cool. And then Obrecht, they needed a Swiss German, which isn't quite German. In Switzerland, they speak five or six languages or more. German, you know, so German, uh, French, Italian, all these different things. But Obrecht comes from Switzerland, the German part. So she's, it's kind of a Swiss, German, British, because she spent so many years in England with different degrees from this university in Oxford and all over. I remember when I, when they gave me, I became the chief of staff and they gave me an office and it was perfection everything was white pristine i mean i'm i like red and i'm a pig i'm you know i'm i'm a mess i mean papers <laughs> everywhere my husband's going put your papers away i'm like i just put it in my office it's okay so you know it's like i'm not a mess but i i have a lot of stuff and there's papers and things and obrecht is the polar opposite of me you know she's neat everything's perfect and she had like white stapler mine's red and it's on the floor you know then she had like <laughs> white pens and in a box i mean everything was just perfect and i went oh this is nice. But on the wall, there were like 10 different degrees. I don't know if anyone in the audience ever noticed that, but doctorate and, you know, from, I don't know, somewhere in England, uh, then, you know, from this university, and then Switzerland. I mean, she had like 10 different medical degrees and this doctorate, that thing. It was, I was so impressed with Obex, you know, who she was. I'm like, look at this, look at me. I've got all these, you know, degrees. So she had spent time in England and spent, so this accent that I tried to come up with, it's not like, if you speak the, the thick German accent, sometimes it's very difficult to understand, you know, so it's kind of more open, a little bit British. So Obex speaks a little more open so people can understand. Because you, sometimes you hear people talking and like, I don't know what they're saying because the accents are so thick. So I kind of came up with something that's a little more open, easier to understand, a little British, a little German, softened somewhere in there. Sometimes it works. So my husband's like, because he helps me the night before I work. He always runs the lines with me and goes, that sounded American. That was too German. That was too British. <laughs> like, okay. So there's a lot of work that goes into it to make it sound right. So how do you not naturally have the Hungarian accent then if you grew up with your parents having such a thick accent? You know, that's interesting, but I grew up in Canada and I was born there. Again, I would say I was made in Hungary and popped out in Canada. <laughs> um, I was born in Canada. But um, we, my mother, because she was an opera singer back in Hungary and my father wasn't, but they were immigrants. So she had a, started a daycare and we were surrounded by little kids. So we grew up, you know, and then went to school. So it was just natural. Everyone spoke, only my parents didn't. But we spoke Hungarian at home. That was the first language. But definitely, you know, growing up around everybody except my parents. So my sister and I, we did not grow up with an accent. Although the Canadian, my husband said the other day, you said, out and about. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> about. I said, out and about. He goes, no, you didn't. <laughs> so sometimes the Canadian still comes in. But otherwise, no, that's that's true. But some people, I think, I mean, if I had grown up in Hungary and come here, I definitely would have an accent. But having been born in North America, so no accent. That's interesting because my dad's from Pittsburgh and my mom's from Boston. And, oh. but I didn't do daycare. So I was only with my mom until I went to school. And so you have a slight Bostonian accent. <laughs> and if I, when I go visit my family, when I come home, my husband's like, I can't understand you for a few days. <laughs> and I don't notice it. Sure. But sure, he, like, he can here. always tell when I've been talking on the phone with one of my aunts because he's like, you're talking to Erica today, huh? I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, yeah because you're, you're you it's easy to go back to that yeah yeah that's cool. funny so who's sh- you're shannon i'm shannon yep you're shannon you're amanda okay yep Just oh yeah we didn't introduce ourselves sorry 
no, 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 like no. We're old friends after like, last yeah. week. <laughs> so you do a lot of different things. You've done TV, film, audiobooks, video games, all of that. Do you have a favorite or do you just like the creativity behind each project? You know, that's a really good question. Yes and no. I mean, it's it changes over the years, but honestly, I did so much theater and I love that connection with the audience. It's like talking to you guys. You know, we're we have a, we're communicating back and forth. And when you're on stage, there is definitely a communication with the audience. My father taught me that as a conductor. He said you make the audience breathe with you through the music. And you know, he he'd be like conducting and his back would be to the audience, but he would make everyone breathe together. You know, it, it was kind of a you didn't notice it, but the music through the music and so that's something that I learned, but also when you're, when you are on stage with the audience, they're laughing. They're not laughing. They're restless. Why are they restless? Ah, you're going too slow or you're not entertaining them or you're boring them. Well, I better pick up the pace or I better talk louder. I'd make it better, make it funnier. So there's a, it's a very live medium where you, you, you interact with the audience. Um, and I love that you get, you get feedback. That's, that's why I love my Zoom events because there's feedback. I talk to people like you and I, we're, you know, we, we're communicating now. And I really love that. But um, when I came to, I, I stopped doing theater years ago because it was just like, it consumes your evenings and weekends. I was single for a long time. I really wanted a relationship. I wanted to work in the daytime as <laughs> doing my acting in the evenings and weekends. I wanted to be with my husband. That was it. So I, I kind of stopped doing doing theater. I have been asked a few times here and there where I'm like, ah, no, don't tempt me. So honestly, I would say that's my favorite. That has been my favorite. When you do, it's you're in a vacuum. Like when we do the soap opera, you know, I, I started saying like when you do prime time, it's, it's 25, 23, 26 episodes a year and you have like weeks to get ready and all this stuff. But when you're doing a soap, it's 10 times that much, 250 episodes a year. So it's, it's again, it's like a factory. It's moving. It's a machine. It's like get in, say your lines and go home. So you're in there. There's very little, um, connection with anyone. You go in, you see your scene partner, you know, say your lines, you do your thing. Hi guys, everyone. Thank you. Moving on. That's the word moving on. And when you hear that, you're done. And they're like, sometimes the director sits in another room watching all the, you know, cameras and the producers are in there and the editors and, and you'll hear, you know, uh, thank you guys. Nice job. Sometimes, but 99% of the time moving on. Boom. So there's no connection. You don't know. Did you do a good job? Did you suck? Did it feel good? There's no time to digest, to talk with the other actors. How did I think that was pretty, yeah, you know, occasionally that works, but very rarely. Most of the time, it's just like, so there's no relationship. There's So it's kind of, I want to say in a vacuum, you just do it and you go home. There's no feedback. It's very dry, you know, so it's not, there's not that, oh, let, let the audience, oh, they clap and they love you and oh, they love it was great. Or they're like, yeah, that was great. And they walk out, you know, and then, you know, you sucked and you got to do better the next time. So it's really hard. And the same thing for film. One thing that I do like about film that I prefer is the tempo. It's much slower. And a lot of people on soaps are like, no, I want to knock out 10 episodes today. I don't want to spend doing one movie in six months. But I like that because I like you have time to really work one scene. And we were laughing about that with, I think it was with Maura. Who did I work with? Somewhere we were just talking about that, maybe on the, on the, on the trip. Anyway, but we were saying how when you're doing, you know, with the software, it's really quick and, you've just done three episodes when you would do like maybe one scene on a movie, 
you know, in six hours you've done on a movie, you're like, well, let's, let's try this 20 more times. Oh, I know. I had a scene with, I was with Nina and Britta in Curtis's club and we're sitting there and, you know, we did it like once. Okay. Take one, move it on. You know, let's do the next take done. Okay. And we were saying we could try this scene 20 more times. If this were feature film or prime time, we would have one camera they would film you, then they would film the other actor, then they would turn the camera around, then they would film the other actor at the other angle, then they would pull the camera back. And do, I mean, so you would spend the whole day doing this one scene. And by the afternoon or the evening after like 18 hours, you're going, you know, I think I'm starting to understand the material. I think I can make this work for the audience. They're going to like this. Or this feels good now or, or organic. You don't have that kind of time on the soap. You're like, you know, okay, you do it once. You hope you hit the mark and you keep going. So I really like that because we're saying, you know, and by the 20th take, you go, I think, I think this is good. Whereas in the soap, you're lucky if you get it done the first take, you don't have to do it one more time. They're like, okay, we have to fix that or pick it up if there's a mistake or technical, but otherwise it's one take. You say it that way and you hope to God that you've done it right and that, that you get the message across. I think that's amazing because I mean, soap actors don't get the credit that they should for they don't how hard you work. But I mean, the emotions that you guys invoke in us. I mean, we laugh, we cry, we scream at you. We, you know, of we course. do all of, of screaming. Yeah. <laughs> and it's all on one take. Yes. It's, you know, I, it's true. You know, and, and when I first started acting, there was a whole stigma. You don't do commercials. You don't do soaps, you know, and 40 years ago, it's like, oh, you don't do that stuff. That's beneath, you know, if you want to be an artiste, you want to do theater, you want to do feature films. It's like, in today's world, first of all, you're lucky you can get any job because it's a saturated market. Everyone and their mother wants to be an actor. So everyone's, you know, that's what they want to do. And it's, it's harder and harder to get work. There's, even though there's tons of material they're filming, but again, there's just so much. It's just an influx of everyone. And, and also they're not casting out of Los Angeles. They're casting, if they're shooting a film, they're taking two stars to New Mexico or to, Georgia, because Atlanta, tons of stuff goes there. And then everything else is local hire. So if you don't live in, in Atlanta, you don't live in Albuquerque, you know, you don't live in wherever, I mean, they're shooting, you're not going to work. They, they'll say, well, if you come be a local hire, which means you pay the airfare, the hotel, per diem, you pretend to live there. And then you can, you know, you get apart for two days and you spent $10,000 and you, you know, and you're earning nothing. So it's really not. It's a changing industry. And, and I understand the producers. I've done some producing at a production company. You, it's the money. At the end of the day, it's the dollar is the, is your bottom line. So it's got to make sense financially. So you're like, why should I fly an actor from Hollywood to New Mexico or to Atlanta when I've got a hundred of them that could do the same thing? Yeah. You know, unless there's the stars and then you have your big stars, but a soap actor, I mean, you're right. It's definitely an under, I mean, I, my appreciation for what we do. And this profession and being an actor, it's changed. It's like, this is the hardest job as an actor you will ever have. Because the quantity of work, the, the minimum time of preparation you have, and you have to keep, you have to keep churning it out and you have to be your best every single time. And, and it's different on, you know, on other venues, you can take your time and theater, you have four to six weeks to learn your material. Oh, I think I'm going to pick up this cup of coffee and take it over there. And I say, would you like some coffee? You know, it's a whole different animal. This is like, boom, bing, boom. I come, I've come home sometime in the past 10 years. I told my husband, can you imagine in five minutes, they told me, cause you know, right before in the morning, they give you blocking. Okay. So, you know, you, you study your lines at home. You got 
you know, whatever, 15 pages for one episode. So you got or 20 or 30 or, and you're doing two episodes that day or five episodes that day. I think one day was seven episodes. I mean, you've got 150 pages of material. You've had a few days to learn. It's like, you don't think you can do it, but somehow you do. A friend of mine said to me once, you can eat an elephant one bite at a time, but you got to eat fast when you, you know, you just have a few days. So, you know, you do all this stuff and you learn it and you show up. And it has to be, you know, it has to be done right. So there's just no time for that. So I'm not sure where I was going with this last thought. But anyway, it's, it's, it's my appreciation is definitely different. I really respect this profession and these actors. You know, again, the quantity of work that we have to turn out at, to a certain level of quality. It isn't always the quality you want. And you're hoping that you get to that place. You know, oh, I know. Yes, I was saying that. And so I told my husband, so in the morning you come in, you've done your stuff and you do blocking. And the director says, okay, uh, Kathleen, I want you to, you know, pick up the bottle of wine, open it up, pour a glass, take it to him, take your coat off, put it down there, pick up the gun, bring it back, sit down. And, you know, and you have this like talking and you're like, okay. And then you have to write down. So I get pick up the, let's say I pick up the coat. No, pick up the wine, open the wine take the glass, you know, and these are things, I mean, that we do every day naturally, but now you have to recreate real life in a very short period of time. And sometimes you're filming, you're the first up in the morning. So you've had five minutes and in about, you know, half an hour, you're going to go up there and that's, or, or they should do it right away. Okay. I want you to do this and this and this, cause we don't have time to block. So we're going to block. It's called block tape shoot. I forget it. It's beach. anyway. So it's, but they're blocking and then you film right away. And you better remember what order you have to do what. It's like, you know, and so yeah. I said to my husband, I came home one day, I had to take a bottle of wine. I had to pour it. I had to put it in a glass. He goes, oh, you poor thing. But it, <laughs> but it was funny. I mean, and he makes fun of me now. This is like the very beginning. But he makes fun of me because I spent years. Theater, that's normal. But you have weeks. I'm going to pick up this. I'm going to pick up a phone. And I'm going to take it over there. And I'm going to take my coat. It's all natural. becomes part of the material. There is no time for that here. So there's so many elements as a soap actor that serious respect for everyone who's in this profession and also the writers, you know, Frank Valentini, I mean, the, the executive producer, he's got to keep an eye on everything, the production, the, the sets, the actors, you know, who's available, who isn't coordinating all the producers on the show, scheduling the casting. It's, it's a huge factory. As they say, it takes a village and mm -hmm. it does. Are you even able to kind of keep track of your own storyline, you know, like really, Absolutely. Feel through it. Okay. But Absolutely. do you guys pay attention to each other's storylines? Cause that was the thing that when we were talking to everyone last, week, oh, wait, you did, you know, oh, that person's related to so and so or that could happen. How much? Well, there, there is some of that. Like yeah. I just did something where I'm supposed to be angry and I'm just a little, I don't know, this is a, a spoiler, but I'm supposed to be angry at Sonny. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. I'm just all of a sudden I'm angry at him. So yeah. I, I have to like fish around and if they have time, they tell you. And if the show, everything's moving so fast, I'll, I still don't know. Cause we were filming and going and I asked a few people and they were like, just a second. And they didn't have time to tell me because <laughs> that helps me. You know, it's like, well, yeah. I'm angry because of this, but I didn't know. So I still don't know. Maybe one day I'll watch on TV and I'll go, Oh, that's why. <laughs> you know, he did nothing well, to Scotty. What did he do to Scott? Well, I'll kill him. You know, I have to be angry. So some, sometimes that happens, but basically I know exactly my character, who I've been with, what I've done. But, but there are things like Wes and I, when we did the show in, in uh, Pittsburgh, we were asked some questions and in, in Detroit, certain things. And I was like, I don't remember <laughs> no, to you. <laughs> we were like, uh, yeah, I think so. I don't know. So it's funny because I worked with um, Maurice 
Bernard on All My Children for a couple of months back in 1989, 90. And then I met him 30 years later. Now we're working on another show. And I was so happy to see him again because we had a great time working then. And he didn't remember me. He was like, oh, yeah, we worked together. That's nice. Really? Who are you? And the same thing happened with Rick Springfield. You know, I was I did a film called uh, Change of Heart or Changing place of play. again these names are just so many things in my head i think it was called a change of heart it was one of these harlequin romance movies we filmed in hungary back in 94 it was great to work with him i played a pregnant um, mother or a pregnant woman who's a sister and here we are flash forward 30 years later and now we are uh going to be the grandparents when britta was going to have a baby that we stole the embryo just a little detail and, you know we took that and anyway and then here he is now. He's my he's my brother-in-law. I guess we're going to be the the co-grandparents, and and I was so happy. I'm like, oh, I get to. I work with him like for three four weeks filming this in Hungary, and I was like, Rick, it's so great to see you again. And he was like, Who are you? <laughs> I was Aww. like, oh, Never mind. I mean, the business is there's just so much information and people and things like that. So anyway, I've been blabbering away. I'm I'm sorry. I I get on a roll. You ask such great questions, and I. I, I just can't stop with dancers. So. No, it's okay. We no, appreciate it. Exactly. We love it. That's what this is all about is hearing all the things that we don't know from the soaps. I'm happy to talk to you guys another time. I do have another obligation I have to go That's to. Okay. I he hope to go you know, to Girl Scouts. Well, you better get those little delicious cookies. Um, <laughs> you know, I, if you, you guys come into my cooking show, it's going to be my next cooking show is June 2nd. It's on a Thursday evening. I think East Coast, 7 o'clock, 4 o'clock West Coast. Mountain time. I know there's mountain time. You're five. Maybe it's about four and seven. But anyway, the East Coast. I think it's seven o'clock. Um, I'm going to do some Hungarian food, like desserts this time. Hungarian desserts and some cocktails. And it's just it's a fun venue. It's on FantasyEventsInc.com or Coastal Entertainment. You can see it also on Eventbrite. You can get tickets there. I'll be selling aprons. Be doing the show. Give prizes out. People win autographed pictures and things from my kitchen. Things like that. So we have fun. Bring questions. It'll be a good time. So I will see you guys on June 2nd. And hopefully your listeners, if anybody's interested, they can come to the show also. Yep. And we'll put the link in our show notes and everything too for everyone. So fantastic. That's awesome. Thank, thank you, you guys so, so much, much for your time. This was wonderful. This was. No, thank you. I'm sorry. Barbara, do we, but such good questions. Like, <laughs> we'll talk again another time. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. All right. Thank, thank you so you much. Know. You take care. Thank Bye. you. Bye. <laughs> I just, she has so much good life experience. I know. And she's such a good grown up about it because <laughs> I, I would be a little angry, but not like forever angry. Right. But at that moment, she was like, I woke up the next day and was like, this is God's plan. And I was like, yes, I know that in the long run, but it takes me a lot longer than 24 hours to get there. She just knew that she had to move on because she had, it was she was going to do that. And then she was going to go to LA. And then she was like, well, now I don't have that. So now I'm just going to go to LA. Yes. So, and I love the fact that she was 40 mm -hmm. when she went, because I will be 40 this year. Let's and move to LA. Sometimes, you know, and it's like things that happen in the world. You know, sometimes you feel like if you haven't hit certain benchmarks by a certain age that. Yes you're irrelevant or less than or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and you could have done amazing things your entire life, but because other people, <laughs> I've had goals and there's one that I have just had to keep pushing back. And the fact that if I have to push it back past 40, which I'm probably going to, you know, I don't 
want to keep pushing it back. I understand, but but it'll get there eventually. Exactly. You get there when you get there. All her talk about how hard it is to work on the soap, though, made me like pat myself on the back because I was a pretty smart kid. I wanted to be an actress, but I only wanted to be a soap actress. And that was why. Well, they do all this amazing work and they're on the air constantly as opposed to just a snippet of a movie like a movie is only famous for right. unless it's a major movie most movies are only famous for like six months or whatever and then they go now, away though remember back in the day when we would love movies for years but they were really good movies and those are the movies that you're saying. still talking about now but there was a lot of movies but that what she movies didn't. are our kids going to do you remember when disney didn't remove release a movie every year and it was like every seven years. Yes. And those are the ones that you still care about. Yeah. So not that I don't care about the ones now, but I mean, they're coming out with them so quick. You don't get to, you don't get to love them before they get replaced. Right. They're just not the same. They're, I'm sorry. They're not as good as they were back then. But that's how I feel about soaps is people continue to love you. I mean, you see all the YouTube dedication to it. The mm-hmm. fact that we can find stuff from the 80s because people right. loved it that much. Right. Yeah. Everyone, not to kill all the other medias, but everyone should just want to be soap actors because they are working constantly and so hard. And she's so good. And I love that. I mean, she'll be on for 10 years. That's so crazy. You know, I wish that she seems to be perfectly happy with being recurring. Yes. And with how but things are going. maybe she could recur a little more. Just a little bit. Just, yeah. Because she brings so much. I remember when she first came on and I was like, what the heck is happening right now? <laughs> but, you know, we didn't know all the stuff with Faison and this and that. And then we learned all of it and we're like, oh, they've given her a really good backstory that she can keep pulling from that there's no reason that we shouldn't have her. And she can do more often anything. Mm-hmm. She can be funny. She can be sexy now. She can be crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, she probably has the most free range of any character because you have no expectations when it right. comes to Oprah. It's, she said even herself, you open it and you're like, hmm, what am I getting today? Oh, I'm going to shoot someone. All right. You know, uh, so I just love it. Yeah. But so she was absolutely wonderful. We are really looking forward to the cooking event on June 2nd. As we mentioned, we will be able to, we will have the link in our show notes. Yes, come join us. Oh my God. That would be the best yep. conversation ever. And the website is GH fantasy or is it just fantasy events, Inc.? I think it's Fantasy Events, Inc., because they do other soaps, too, not just GH. Why? <laughs> there are some people that like other soaps. I don't the understand The way we that. like GH. So if you go to fantasyeventsinc.com, you can sign up for the event and also all those other fantasy events that um, we've mentioned. Like, there's a whole bunch coming up over the next couple months. But this one is June 2nd that we are going to be part Yay! of. So, <sighs> That was just so much fun. I know. (laughs) All right. Well, hope that you enjoyed this chat and tune in on Monday when we talk about this week's shows. Have a good weekend. And we'll meet you at the pier. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed today's show, we invite you to go to pier54podcast.com to subscribe on your favorite platform. Don't forget to leave us a review. And you can also follow us on many social media channels. Just search for Pier 54 Podcast. Also, we are not perfect, so if there is something that we missed or messed up, just let us know by emailing us at peer54podcast at gmail.com.
Juvederm Day is coming soon. One day only. Get double the gift cards on August 16th. Then earn up to triple alley points August 16th through August 31st. Don't miss out on your biggest chance to save. Join Alley now. While supplies last, terms and conditions apply.